the holy grail of holy grails is like if I can get the operating model um, team-based, small batch, all the different things and create these containers where the connection and the fun and the intimacy can happen, like that's when we really win, right? Because now we're creating these inclusive environments where people are empowered and have say and you know, have purpose and connection to, to vision and all these things and get to express their full selves at work right? Um, without feeling like a cog in the machine. But okay. yet we have a mechanism system delivery in place that actually um, is reasonably assured of producing results or figuring out really fast that we're not going to. Hey, this is Dave Fryer. Welcome to Leading Agile Sound Notes. Mike Kottmeyer is here. Mike, thank you for taking time out of your evening. I'm here, man. I'm here. It's been a long day. I was in the car all morning. And so I'm just getting out of the car, hitting a couple meetings, and then I'm going to go to sleep. Because it's, all right. like I said, it's been a long day. And what so time? I just, just for the yeah. comical comparison, what time do you go to sleep? Well, so I have a pretty, um, pretty robust morning routine. So it's not uncommon for me to be up at 3.30 or 4.00 in the morning. And so I have, um, I meditate and I do a bunch of journaling and I exercise and then I have some quiet time on top of my meditation. So the direct answer to your question is a, I'm starting to go to sleep process about eight o'clock and I'm usually wow. like hard in bed by eight 30. So, um, <laughs> you know, but my wife and I are in a situation where like all our kids are out of the house and we yeah. see each other. We both work out of the house. Um, well, she volunteers outside of the house, but, um, but we're in the house. We see each other all day. We hang out for a little bit, cook dinner, and we're like, out. I don't want to so watch. So you, you you get know? up an hour and a half after I go to bed. Wow, <laughs> I go to okay. bed like two thirty, well, three o'clock. We are on, we on totally different schedules. schedules. Yeah, yeah. All right. So I got up at three thirty <laughs> Central Time this morning. So I went to bed at three thirty or three. Yeah, crazy, um, man. crazy. Okay, so okay, our topic cool. today is all about color codes. We're going to talk about the okay. kind of build on your indie talk. I wanted to do a quick sort of preamble on the color code thing for the okay, people cool. that aren't familiar with yeah, it. Yeah, does anybody know what the color code thing is that I want to talk about? I don't know, but I got all the links ready to go. So there's okay, a book by Taylor Hartman called The People Code and the Character Code. Okay. And they can pick that up. They can take the personality test, which for me. When I came to Leading Agile and, and, and took it, that was really profound because I fail all those tests because okay. I over game and overthink. Test, I think like, well, is it A or B? Well, I should pick okay. B, but I really think A. Okay. But if I pick A, they'll think I should pick B. And what does it do to the last <clears> question? I think I can't not over process every question. So yeah. the results are skewed. But this yeah. one was the first one that my wife was like, that's totally your personality. Well, like, so well, so it's interesting about it. So I got turned on to it probably pretty close to five years ago. From what I understand, I've actually had it vetted. It's based upon the same underlying kind of theory as the disk, right? So you okay. can map this little color code thing to the disk survey. What's interesting to me is that is that I think disk survey is super useful. I think Myers Briggs is useful. Um, I've, I've taken a lot of personality tests. We do a lot with personality around here. But what's super neat about this color code um, personality test is that is that it it basically it, it's you know everybody's a blend, but it basically puts you in this grid of are you logical or emotional, um, controlling or non-controlling, and so logically logical controlling is red. And that's like that's like a power frame. Um, logical non-controlling is like peace. So it's like a rule following. Right. So I'm logical, but I'm kind of operating within established boundaries because I don't want okay. conflict um, on the emotional side. You have emotional controlling, which is tends to be like intimacy and connection. Mm -hmm. And then the other side of that is emotional non-controlling, which is fun. So power is red. Um, peace is white. Um, the intimacy is blue and the fun is yellow. And okay. what I found is that it's, it's a very, um, when I'm talking to people, you can get a pretty good sense for what their, um, personality type is just from talking to them often, not always, but often right. we have a little database and I have a copy of it on my phone where I look up people prior to having conversations with them, if I'm not familiar with their color code. And it gives me a, um, yeah, there you go. And 70 it gives me a, red. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty high, right? I don't have any any white or any blue. 
Um, fun fact is my my wife is blue white like you, and yeah. we're called non complementary opposites. <laughs> so, my wife is red like Mike. Yeah, and so and so it's really interesting. And and I had this epiphany, and so I'm just going to cheat up on the topic. Right, I had this epiphany that one of the challenges that we're having in the agile community, and I think it's a big challenge, is that um, is that we're we're talking about culture from a very what I'll call blue perspective, a very emotionally controlling perspective. We want mm. we want intimacy, we want connection. You know, it's like it's like what we talk about with games, and it's what we talk about with you know team rooms and personal. It's that magical land of agile. Well, well, it's 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 what's cool about it, right? Is that it's really valid, and I'm not trying to say that, that that's an invalid lens to look at culture. But what I where I started the conversation kind of internally in my head is that there's kind of red culture and there's blue culture, right? There's there's culture of getting things done. And then there's kind of culture of connection and environment and how we interact with each other and personal safety. Yeah. So I went up to Indianapolis. and I got to do this keynote up there, which was super cool experience. I always like going up to Indianapolis. Um, they just have a great agile community up there. It's just really, really neat. And and I did this talk, and I talked about the idea of is that is that if we if we don't get the red side of the culture, right? We don't get the performance characteristics. We don't get velocity and burn down and we understand, you know, stable velocity and we start to be able to predict dates and doneness and those kinds of things, then it's really hard to sustain the blue side of the culture, which is the safety and the connection. So right. I was making the case and I walked through Scrum, I walked through Spotify, I walked through Safe, talking about how the structures and the processes and the ceremonies and the tracking mechanisms in those methodologies is the red side. But, mm -hmm. but when we get the red side working, it creates space for the blue side. And yes. without, without the red side, it's really hard to sustain the blue side. And I think that's a little bit of what our industry is dealing with is because in a lot of companies, Agile hasn't cracked the code to better performance. Right. And so the people in those ecosystems double down on the blue side of the culture and 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 we don't get the red and it and it's kind of fallen flat in a lot of yeah. places. So So can yeah. I can I mansplain yeah. this back to the world? Yeah. So <laughs> Yeah, sure. Go for I'm it. just gonna lean into that it's part. All good. It's all good. Um so one of the things that was always <clears throat> really irritating for me coming from a project management background with the ads people would be like, No, man, people just come and they'll figure it out and it's wondrous and they show up when they show up, you'd be like, No, we have to finish work. Yeah. Um, yeah. But there's this idea that people will just naturally do things. And we've talked about this a lot before. They they can't do that without some help. And that's where Scrum is a very light framework compared to like traditional project management. Well, well, but that we, discipline becomes critical because if you don't have that, you have no shape. Well, we're getting back to we're getting back to what we always talk about at Leading Agile, right? The teams, backlogs, working tests, software, mm -hmm. structure, governance, and metrics, right? You know, the, the body, the, the scrum methodology is, in my opinion, wholly predicated on the idea of we have a complete cross-functional team that has ownership of their, their software, that can yeah. deploy software every week or two, or even more frequently sometimes, maybe up to a month. They're operating off of a, a backlog, right? Yeah. They're estimating the backlog. They're establishing velocity against the backlog. And then they produce working tests of software and can take feedback every two weeks. Right. That's like the that's the red side. And they're predictable. Yeah, you're you're predictable, right? right? Or at least you can at least if you're unpredictable, you understand why. You have a system that you can manage to. You that uh -huh. you have a, a reliable system that the product owner can delegate into. You yeah. get predictable results. But I mean it's it's almost getting to be a joke to the point I don't I don't ask the question anymore. Like very few scrum teams actually get to get set up that way. And so yeah. because because you can't actually create those conditions, two things happen. People double down on the practices of Scrum and right. say daily stand-ups, reviews, retrospectives, this, that. Cargo call. Yeah. You know, cargo call kind of stuff, right? Or they they double down on the personal safety and empower the teams and they blame command and control management and all those things. And, and what that is, is that's a, well, don't laugh, right? It's, 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 it's valid in a way, but I, I don't think we understand the dynamic, right? 
Yeah. And and so it's like if I if I can't get the performance characteristics, I can't hold the safety characteristics and the relationship characteristics and those yeah. things. And so and so they really go together because we don't want we were talking about this as, as we kind of prep for the call today. The backlash to that often becomes date driven, command and control, yeah. get this done by a certain date, because the leadership doesn't have any of the controls in place to be able to know what they're going to get for their money. And they can't run their businesses and they can't the teams run their business can't meet way. their commitments. They can't make they can't make investments that way. Right. right? And so it's so the place leading agile's been for the last 13 years, it's all about how do I create the conditions it with like the structure of the organization, mm -hmm. governance, metrics, what we measure and control, how do I create the right conditions so that I have a predictable system of delivery so that within that predictable system of delivery, I can create the cultural aspects that I want. Yeah. So we always talk about structure first, then practices, then culture. But what was interesting is I was, as I was preparing for the talk in Indianapolis and we're actually getting ready to go up to Canada next week and do the, a similar talk. It's, it's not quite the same, but it's gonna be a similar talk. It's we're a bigger talk. Yeah, we're gonna expand it out um, to, to really talk about all four of the colors because as I was doing the red-blue thing, um, I thought it was interesting. I was like, well, if there's red-blue, there's probably white and yellow, right? Mm -hmm. And so the yellow is fun, right? And who and the, and that's probably where like the games come in, right? In Agile, right? So there's a certain personality profile. They want kind of low structure, fun environment. That's kind of cool, right? That's awesome, right? Mm -hmm. That's a good thing to strive for. And then there's also like the people in Scrum that are probably white, more, less, you know, want peace, less conflict. And so they really rely heavily on the rules of Scrum mm -hmm. to be able to, to be able to safety. keep peace and create yeah. space for intimacy and those kinds of things, right? So so I was, I was thinking about, and this is what we're going to add to the talk is that you know, what would it what would it be like? Like imagine a possibility where I have the red performance characteristics, right? I have the mm -hmm. white kind of enabling the rules and the process, and I create the personal safety in an environment that's a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. That sounds to me like the holy grail, right? But but a little bit of the side awareness of this and, and that I thought was interesting, and I think this is true. I think we all as humans. We, we see the word culture through our own personality lens. Yes. So like you, you made the comment, again, when we were prepping, uh, what was it, the Peter Drucker comment that says like- Culture strategy, strategy for breakfast. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah, culture strategy for breakfast. I really don't think that he was saying that if you just empower people and, and you right. know, put pool tables in the room and buy them lunch and have 20% days and like a lot of the things or, or you play games. I don't think what he was saying was that if you do those things, it will that's that's more powerful than um, strategy. Yeah. My guess is that he probably was talking about culture through a red lens. And, okay. and what he was basically saying is that our ability as a culture to, to execute, mm -hmm. to make and meet commitments, to do what we say we're going to do, to deliver when we say we're going to deliver it, yeah. that kind of culture eats strategy for breakfast. But so we're each out there in okay. the world reading Drucker's comment, and I'm red, and Looking I go, it through makes perfect lens, sense, right? right? And I move forward with that. The blue people go, makes perfect sense. And they go, their agenda, right? So I think Drucker's been, you know, we, we've all co-opted that yeah. quote and run it through our own personality lens to interpret what culture means, right? Um, can I, can I ask you a question? Yeah, please, yeah. Sorry, I'll just talk all day on this stuff, man. <laughs> so yeah. one of the things that was so interesting for me about the Color Code book when I went through it after I took the test was yeah. I started and, – and you – and it, Leading Agile, everybody's color code is exposed. Like I can go look up yeah. if I'm going to meet with somebody, yeah. what is their color code? And that would help me prepare – for a conversation. I know yeah. if I'm meeting with a red, I show up one way. If it's a blue, I show up another. Yeah. Yeah. You're talking about creating an environment where you're leveraging the different lenses to create a space that a structure that allows people to thrive however they show up, right? Well, well, so yes and, right? Yes. Okay. They can thrive. They can they can find something that they mesh with regardless mm -hmm. of um, their personality type. 
But but I think there's also I think there's also like an element in systems design, right? As systems builders, Mm -hmm. right? As organizational design people, as leaders, like what we have to recognize is that we do have a plurality of personality types in our company. That's the first time anyone's used the word plurality (laughs) in a podcast I've done. Ever. Okay, there you go. I got it. <laughs> so, so there's a um, there's a plurality of people in our organizations, and if we want to create a culture that is um, that that is as inclusive as it can be. Now, like mm-hmm. I'll give you like I'll give you like an example. So, um, leading agile is absolutely a reflection of my personality, and so I'm I, as you mentioned, I'm like 73 percent red, and the rest is yellow. And so it's like power and fun, getting results and having a good time doing it. That is what I've tried to build. And the way I describe it to people is that I say, um, I want everybody to love working here. But if you don't, but if you don't, like go find someplace you love. It it doesn't Mm -hmm. hurt my feelings that you don't love it here. Like I'm trying to create the best, most inclusive company that I can possibly create. Now that said, right? Like part of it is because it's, yeah, yes, it's my personality, but what we sell is results. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like I sell to my clients reliable, predictable delivery using agile approaches. Okay. And, and like everything we do is front of the room. It's about measurement. It's about change this part of the system, assess its progress, measure its results, tie it to back strategy. to trust influence loop. Yeah. And so uh, that'll be a whole like thread to pull. So I'm not going to try to pull it. It'll take me off topic. But it's like but like the idea is, is that um, I'm a red leader. I'm a red marketer. I sell to red clients. And so and so we'll have people that join us that have different personality types. And so a lot of times people who are really high or dominant yellow tend to be really, really unstructured. Mm -hmm. Um, They tend to be, um, you know, really great problem solvers, really great connectors of people, but I have to pair them with somebody who's more structured mm-hmm. or else or else they'll wander off, right? Um, people who tend to be high blue without a lot of red, they'll, they'll index on things that are important, mm-hmm. but maybe not as obvious to the client as about how they're going to get the work done. So it's sure. an artifact of you have a red yellow leader who built a red yellow company who's probably more than likely selling into red yellow leaders that mm-hmm. r- run red yellow companies. And where where it gets interesting, we've done a lot of research on this internally. Um, is how how does that impact? How does that impact like gender hiring or race hiring, like DEI kinds of things, mm-hmm. right? And and we've we've really taken a hard look at that and. Now, if you look at like the color code as is of itself, it will tell you there's fairly normal distributions of this thing that transcend race and gender and such. Um, but then you get into different population segments and, and different people that Background, have done different things yeah. in careers that end up with the skills and experience required to work in our company. And so while maybe the general population is uh, skews one way or the other, like I don't know that it's hard to tell like. Is there like a demographic for people? Because I actually kind of believe to some degree that a lot of the people that gravitate towards the Agile messages Mm -hmm. as commonly discussed, Agile Alliance, Scrum and different things, really tend towards the the attributes of culture that are more relational. Mm -hmm. Because Agile is inherently a more relational um, way of working. Right. So I think the coaching community attracts a lot of people that really value, you know, it's just like it's in the manifesto. It's and like that, people and interactions over processes and tools, right? I think for me, yeah. I know that one of the things I like about Leading Agile is that there are so many red people there because that's not my, Yeah, I, I need reds around me because I'm. it's like I'm missing those pieces. And I yeah. think that that, you know, we were talking about training and what's happening in the scrum training community. And I think that if they are largely blue, maybe that's part of the problem is, we're, you know, we're not closers. We're there to yeah. help you. We're there to feel well, things out with you or figure it out with you and build well, a relationship. Imagine, imagine this, right? So imagine this. We are talking about PMI and Scrum mm-hmm. and different things. So you get a bunch of project managers. Agile's a big thing, right? They come to the Scrum uh, training 
And you know, you're blue yellow, but I think you are blue white, but I think blue, you white. maintain a pretty good balance of, of all the different things. And plus you work in our world a lot. Mm-hmm. You can imagine there's a bit of a mixed signal. It's like, it's all about people, it's interactions. It's, it's all these, it's about creating personal safety. It's right. the Drucker comment that, you know, culture eats strategy for breakfast. And it's applied in a blue, yellow way. And they take these messages back into companies that are like operating with scarce resources yeah. and trying to figure out how to get things done and trying to get things in market. And, like, yeah. and you end up with like, and there's like a cultural impedance mismatch. Yeah, that dissonance. Um, across it. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you what, I, I didn't think it's when I first started exploring this, like I didn't think it was all that insightful. And I was talking with um, a business advisor who I work with, and I was sharing with him. I was going to Indianapolis, was having this talk, and and this guy has exited a sixteen hundred person CFO consultancy. He he, I mean, he works with entrepreneurs and private equity and venture capitalists and all these different people. And he's like, Mike, that is so insightful. I never thought about it that way. And I'm like, really? Like nobody's ever thought. And he goes, he goes, you've just thought about this more than most people think about it. Yeah. It's like. Culture becomes this big, gigantic umbrella word. And, and there's like, there's, there's no awareness that we're all hearing the words through our different personality lenses. And I just think yeah. that's so interesting. It's just so interesting. So it gives us the ability to say, okay, what do we want our culture to be? Do we want it to be red, yellow, white, blue? Um, what are we going to do intentionally to get that? And, and again, right, my, my um, call to the Scrum community and the Spotify community and the Safe community and all the different communities out here right. is that if we can't figure out how to attend to the red side, yeah, I think the blue, blue side, doesn't side get to is going to die. Yeah. I mean, I can't think of a way to build software that would that would be the least bit effective if it wasn't built upon agile principles, small batches, incremental iterative. Well, there's MVPs. yeah, there's got to be some aspect of red in there to get the work done, so has that the be. other people can do the has other thing. Be. And like, like I was saying, that's one of the benefits for me of working at a place like this. It creates a space in which I can do my thing because the other stuff is being taken care of by people that are. Well, a well there you type. go, right? There you go, right? So you do a lot of. Um, you do a lot of training with our clients and our clients mm-hmm. absolutely love having you there because, you know, they, they're working with our core consultancy and it's like red, 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 red. And then you come in and you're like, oh, like the, side, the interaction side, yeah. right? the connection side. <laughs> and, you know, we try to balance that, but, but so many companies that are trying to adopt agile, they don't have their structures, right? There are too many dependencies. They don't have orchestration and controls in place. And somehow, because we, we don't have a universally accepted methodology for how to handle those kinds of changes, yeah. we end up indexing on trust the people and let people decide. And you know, not everybody's wired the same way. Well, right? I wanna, can I challenge that? Yeah, sure. something. So, so SAFE is really structured, right? Yeah. I mean, I think Dean would say it's flexible, but for most people, it's a pretty structured thing. Yeah. You put that in place in an organization that's a lot of change for them to take at once. So, and if they don't have blues there to soak up the pain, you're not going to get the structure to work. So, so I would say safe is white. Safe isn't red. Oh, okay, because it's rules. Because it's, it's rules. And the, the, the challenge that we have, and, and, and I want to allow for the fact that the people that call us are a subset of the world. I understand that. They've mm-hmm. been through a certain set of things. They've been exposed to our marketing. They believed our messages. And so a subset call. And so, like, I don't know, I don't know a lot of successful, safe implementations because the ones I get exposed to are the ones that fail, right? But so when they fail, it's always because the teaming strategies weren't clear, the dependencies weren't able to be managed, the the value streams were all tangled up. Um, There was not good um, connection to OKRs and KPIs. And I'm not saying that safe is incapable of delivering that. But just like there the is human no amount screws of it up. Yeah, there's no amount of doubling down on Scrum that's going to make Scrum work right. in a in a jacked up environment. Yeah, there's no amount of doubling down on Safe that is going to make Safe work in a jacked up environment. Okay, so it's not it's not like you might not have some conflict people that are comfortable with conflict that are using Safe as a power move 
and it's being drilled in the organization in a red controlling way. Right. Um, so I think you could adhere to the rules in a red or white environment. But unless they're implementing a lot of traditional project management as a red to get the results that they want, which would totally violate a lot of the principles of SAFE. Right. I mean, SAFE is fundamentally built on a core scrum. Right. And, and the way I describe SAFE very simply is that it's an orchestration mechanism to deal with large groups of scrum teams with lots of dependencies. Okay. This is what safe is at the end of the day, right? And so, and so what Dean has done is because what companies want to buy is he has codified the roles and responsibilities and the processes yeah. and the guidance and everything because it's easy to consume, okay. right? But, but just like anything that's easy to consume, sometimes it loses the nuance associated with it. And if you put okay. it in the wrong kind of place, it's yeah. not going to so, work. And so it, I'm not interested necessarily in like labeling methodologies as red or blue or coaches are red or blue or whatever. Right. But the awareness that we have to attend to the results, we have to attend to the safety, we have to attend to the rules, and we have to make it fun. Mm -hmm. And that each individual human is going to bring a certain set of biases to the table. Yeah. Is, is like, it's like the insight, man. And that goes back, and we've talked before about, I want to go to your quote in a second, but we've talked before about maintaining the tension and that the yeah. balance of those types of roles within the environment is what creates the tension that propels the sound. Well, right? the, yeah, well, the, and, and it's, it's also like a respect, like one of the things I've gotten really, really clear on, and, and this is definitely a red tendency, like, like. I psychologically, I break people down, I break systems down, I break human interactions down. Like, like I like to take things from the whole, break them down to their parts, understand, distill their essence, bring it back up. Yeah. Right. And so like I like I have this belief that that I can help people change if right. if they just understood themselves well enough. Um it, it doesn't, it, it doesn't, but work, that's right? why you're it. so great at selling this stuff because you, I mean, I tell this joke all the time. I'm like, Mike could meet you in the middle of the desert with a paperclip and a styrofoam cup. And in 30 minutes, you'd be convinced you needed to switch to agile and use his way about it, going about it to do it because well, you just deconstruct everything and then you put it back together in front of them. They're like, Oh yeah. Well, so what I do, so, but I'm also probably selling to my people, right? This is the people. Yeah, you are. Calling, right? So what I do, the way I describe that, is I just break it down to the inarguable truth. So I find right. inarguable common ground, and then I rebuild the argument in my frame, right? Mm -hmm. And so and so I don't do that on purpose or to be manipulative, but that's, like, how, that's how I think about the influence game. Yes. But the point where I was going is that is that the vast majority of people, I would say, even if there's a strong desire to change, Right. It's like a lot of the personality assessments will do like, OK, this is your natural state. This is your your state when you're under pressure or this is, you know, so like I can operate with a lot of awareness with people in any quadrant. Right. Mm -hmm. Red, yellow, white, blue. Um, I can sell to clients with different things. I can support and consult for clients. Because you um, adjust to their color. Because I adjust, but I but yeah. I do it in really short. I do it in short bursts. Like if you put me on a client site with somebody who was blue, white or blue, yellow, or yeah, I probably like it, it would just be, it would be harder to sustain. It would take more of my energy to operate outside. Of wow. Type, right. Okay. Yeah. Take more energy to operate outside of type. So what you realize is like, I'll use like Dennis Stevens, our chief methodologist, my co-founder is an example. So, so Dennis and I are a little flipped. I'm yellow. I'm red, yellow. He's yellow, red. Okay. And so his, unstructured creative genius is more dominant than his control tendency. And so okay. Dennis will often tremendous leader, tremendous ability to capacity to solve problems, but at times can show up unstructured, right? Or low follow through. Sometimes it'll manifest or yeah. he'll overcommit and that will result in low follow through or whatever. Right. Um, so, so Dennis works best if he's paired with somebody like Brian Hennessy, that's really, really high structure, really, really high follow through, but smart enough to keep up with Dennis's problem. Solving. Yeah. Yeah. So, so a lot of times what we're, there's certain roles where I'll look for red, yellow or red, blue. 
Um, if somebody's like, there's certain roles that I will keep that are great for yellow whites or yellow reds or uh-huh. you know yellow blues. There's great roles, but they tend to be more creative, more people oriented, more yeah. problem solving. Um, and you know, and so it's like what you have to recognize is people's tendencies, and then you have to create transformation teams that that balance those tendencies and the system and, for those teams to live in. And well, well, yeah, right. Well, so that's like for us more on the client side, it's like you don't put somebody into like a really heavy orchestration role if they don't have a big chunk of red in them. Okay. You know, but and, and then the other nuance of it is, is getting people to understand type enough to where they they have like they have like they're willing to concede the point. Right. They yeah. have to be able to say, like, look, I'm a, like I've got one guy on my team who is like super high creative. He can go out and envision solutions and sell deals and, you know, get clients set up. But pretty much he's got about a two to three month window and just like, like he needs to go do something else. Yeah. Like, cause he's not going to be the guy that runs it yeah. after it's set up. Right. Yeah. Um, it's not that he couldn't. Right. It's just that that's just not his type. It's not his and thing. It's not that he's never done it. It's just, that's yeah. just not his gifting. And so, so this level of awareness, um, and again, I think the reason why I particularly like the color code, again, I could use the disc, I could translate the disc from the color code, um, if I want to, or the color code from the disc, but it's like the language around emotional, logical, controlling, non-controlling for me is very accessible. Mm -hmm. And, and, and then when I connected it to this, these, the elements of culture, um, it was just, just so powerful as a, as a tool for understanding. So what do you want if if, let's say I'm a C-level person and Mm -hmm. I'm listening to this podcast and and I had never heard of color code before. I'm interested in this. What is it that you want them to know coming out of the the talk? Well, so, um, gosh, what do I want them to know? Well, what I want to know. And so like, again, first rev of the talk was just red, blue. And so we'll see where the red, blue, yellow, white thing goes next week. Um, I think it will be powerful, but, but just with the red, blue as a simple lens, um, like there is no other way to build software or to build products other than agile. And by agile, I don't mean scrum or safe or whatever. What I mean is team-based customer focused, small batch, fast feedback, um, highly collaborative, you know, like Coburn's uh, osmotic, you know, communication, information radiators, high transparency, high trust, yeah. customer collaboration. There is, there is no way, in my opinion, in this market with this um, absolute requirement for speed, agility, like there's like I, there is no credible way in most I'll say at least consumer domains. I mm-hmm. would even say highly technically, highly assured government, right? Whatever medical. Right. Like I don't think there's a way to do this without agility. Okay. Yeah. So 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 what we have to do, what we have to do as an agile community, is recognize. That our ability to, in effect, the systems of delivery in these large companies has pushed us to a place in the market where it's all about what we call culture. But I'm going to say specifically blue culture, yellow culture, sometimes white culture, right? Things that we can control theoretically, right? We can try to influence leaders to be more participatory leaders. We can uh-huh. adhere to the rules of Scrum. But, but man, the work that we're doing in some of these companies, in order to make the changes, it requires a tremendous amount of re-architecture to do the work. Yeah. I would personally say, and this is going to be an anathema to most people, I think, in the culture, coaching community, I would rather have a red-dominant agile implementation that works and produces results mm-hmm. in the absence of personal safety and fun. Because the personal safety, I just want to connect it for everybody. The personal yeah. safety and fun comes through the predictability because it well, allows you to keep doing what you're doing. 
That's what I'm saying, right? So, so I have this lady that, that she works for us now, but she was in a different role with me seven, eight years ago. And she said something like, Mike, you're going to, if you keep acting this way, you're going to ruin our culture. And I said, well, if we don't start selling and delivering some work and staying sticky with clients, we're not going to have a culture to, yeah. to, to kill, right? We're not going to be in business. And so I think there's probably some examples where you're in a, a really abundant market, you've, you've hit a niche. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of, uh, nothing's ever easy. Right. But there's an abundance of clients. There's abundance of workers, abundance of dollars. And and the system is just working and we want to make it fun. We want to make it, you know, really safe, really collaborative, right. That kind of a thing. Um, but if a company is struggling, like, I think you have to attend to the red side first because in the absence of the red side, everything else falls you're apart. not going to get the results fast enough. Yeah. Right. And so sometimes, you know, we had a really tough 2022 and it's like, it's like, I want to host events and I want to throw out concerts and I want to bring us all together and I want us to talk. But if, if, if we, if we weren't making money, couldn't do it safely, I can't do it. Right. Yeah. It's which, like, which is interesting because if, it, if the company isn't a kind of, twitchy place the people are needy they want that connection they want those relationships yeah. they want to be together but yeah. if you can't provide it in a way that allows them to truly benefit from it and enjoy it it just puts everybody more at risk well it's a tough thing and then if if yeah. if, it, if if your company is unique in that market and people can find other places to work you're going to lose guys, right so it's tough you know so in an ideal world and, and you know this is what we try to strive for it's like it's like you're 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 truthful with everybody. And you're like, these are the changes we're making and these are why, and this is our path to profitability. And this is our path to growth. And this is our path to what we're going to do with raises. And this is our path to all these different things. And we're hyper transparent and we're communicative and we're inclusive and we're trying to, to bring in voices and we're trying to create mm-hmm. as much safety as we can. And where we can't create safety, we have to create connection. And, yeah. and I, and I think as a leader, it's in your best interest. And I'm not saying red over blue or red over yellow or red over white, but like the grail, the Holy grail is to get all four of them in balance. And at different times in your company's, you know, life, there will be times where you'll be fat and happy and you can pay a lot of attention to the blue stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, you could probably make an argument that that's a little bit of a trajectory in the U S it's like, it's like when things are kind of riding high, it's like social issues become front and center, right? Mm-hmm. And everybody cares about people and connection and everything. And in times of war or stress, like it's all about protection yeah, and production and on. doing different things, right? So countries ebb and flow, companies ebb and flow, um, family relationships ebb and flow. And so, again, just with an awareness that um, all of these things are important. And then I think in a professional setting, the recognition that we are going to index on it, our belief systems are highly informed lens. by our personality. Yeah. You know? so I want to I want to yeah. switch a little bit before we close yeah. out because I want to go back to this one quote. Um, and this is when I watched your indie talk, something that stuck out for me. You said the reality of the environment that people are in will win. Um, practices and culture cannot defeat the reality of the environment. Um, I, I, if yeah. you can say a little bit about that and then we can close well, it out. I think well, it's that's like, really powerful. um, like the one cartoon, I gotta remember this guy's name. I talk about him all the time. It's like the two scientists at the board. And it's like, it's like, there's a bunch of math on one side. It's a bunch of math on the other side. And then the cartoon says, and then a miracle happens between the two. Okay. And the caption is, um, I think you need to be more explicit on step two. Okay. And, and what, what I think that we're guilty of as a broader community is that if we double down on the blue side of the culture and the yellow side of the culture, the intimacy and the fun, mm-hmm. and we empower people to do their jobs, that that's where all the goodness happens, right? And we make this gigantic leap that basically says that those people will self-organize teaming strategies. They'll self-organize dependencies away. Yeah. They'll self-organize organizational structures, they're self-organized governance models, they'll self-organize OKRs and KPIs. And 
again, I can't say that if there's ever been an example where like that kind of holacracy kind of view of the world has ever worked, like right. I've not personally experienced it. Right. But, but what I, I think is, is that the reality of poor organizational designs, poor incentives, poor metrics, poor controls, poor teaming strategies, poor dependency management, I think that is going to crush whatever you're going to try to do mm-hmm. with the people and those aspects of culture because the chaos that will ensue in a poorly managed system will win. And so I think if we're going to be smart, I think if agile as a thing is a first class thing in the software development community is going to survive, I think it's going to have to we're going to have to figure out how to balance the two. Yeah. And the problem, it goes back to like 15 years ago. You remember these conversations. PMI, like every other article out of PMI before they did the ACP was like, is your organization a good candidate for Agile? Mm-hmm. And you go through all the checklists and none of them were. <laughs> none of them were. Right? But they needed to do it anyway. But they needed to do it anyway, right? So, so the answer isn't, is your organization a good candidate for Agile? The, or the question is, is how do you get your organization into a state where it can where it can be more agile? I don't believe, and I'm pretty on record with this, I don't believe blue style culture change is going to do it in most companies. Mm-hmm. I don't believe doubling down on process prescription is going to do it. But I do believe that if we can take a more red approach in a lot of cases, we can re-architect around you know, business capabilities, domains. I, I think one of the things that's really interesting, I did a, did a video on this last week with some, some of my business architecture team. There, are, there is language that is developing in different silos that is the same idea expressed different ways. It's so like business capability modeling, domain-driven design, um, composable enterprises, um, team-based organizational structures, product-driven organizations, projects to products. Um, mm-hmm. All of those words are hunting the same thing. We're all hunting encapsulated teams that are focused on value, that are accountable for solving business problems, okay. that can operate in small batch with low orchestration between teams, right? It's like services orientation, services orientation for the enterprise. All okay. of these companies are hunting this. When, once we, we, we have a good way to talk about marrying that kind of organizational architecture to agile practices, that's when agile practices will become ubiquitous and effective. But I think the agile community, the coaching community, has attracted highly empathetic, creative people that learn some process and yeah. don't know how to do the organizational design, organizational analysis, yeah. or lead the change in an incremental and iterative way. So okay. they're doubling down on what they know, and and that's why that's why so much of it's struggling, in my opinion. So, with all the stuff that you just said, one of the questions that popped into my head was: You're a red. Yeah. I know that I'm a blue. I need to be around reds. Have you ever worked for a blue or a white or a yellow? And how did they create space for you to do your red thing? Well, you got to remember, man. I've been doing this on my own for 13 years. Right. But and before then, that. And then a couple years, but well, I didn't, I didn't have this level of self-awareness 13 years ago, right? Just okay. to be honest with you. Um, <clears throat> as I look back, um, uh, you know, as at version one, I had a lot of autonomy to train and write and do different things. So I wasn't getting a lot of supervision as long as I was billable and that wasn't my responsibility. Okay. Um, prior to that, doing project management, um, one personality type that I see a lot um, in leadership roles, a lot of times women in leadership roles in IT have this personality type. It's a red-blue personality type. Okay. And it's it's very highly controlling, but I'm not, and I don't mean controlling in a bad way. Right. But it's like, it's about results and it's about caring about people. And a lot of, a, a really healthy expression of that are, is somebody who's very results focused and very much cares about the people and how they feel in the system. 
Okay. Now, an unhealthy expression of that can can lead to manipulation and gaslighting and different things, right? So there's that, right? So I mean, every every personality I call like a redeemed and an irredeemed version, right? There's a healthy version and an unhealthy version. Okay. So like a healthy red blue personality type is really the balance, right? And that's what we're really looking for. It's like in in a scrum organization, we want like a healthy expression of red and a healthy expression of blue. Like it has to be about results for the common good or else we can't sell product. We can't make payroll. We can't satisfy our customers. Now, an unhealthy red would be like, we're going to do it my way because I'm a control freak and I want this done. So, again, healthy red expression and then healthy blue expression, like healthy blue expression is like, I want to create an environment where people feel safe. An unhealthy blue expression can be like emotionally manipulative, emotionally controlling, right? And so we're assuming a healthy expression of all these traits on both sides. So like a, like a human can be a dominant red, secondary blue, or dominant blue, secondary red. Um, well, I'll tell you an interesting aside. We have like one of the things that I think sometimes with, um, with high blue people is, is like sometimes it will be um, like it will be somewhat all over the place because the, the, the truth of a blue is often not um, it's, it's the emotional response. It's mm-hmm. how I feel. Yeah. And so like, you know, I, I talk about my wife sometimes and I, I think I have permission to share this kind of stuff, but like one of the challenges I had with her before I understood this is she'd be all over the place with the facts. And I'd be like, I can't keep up. I'm not sure what's true. I don't know. I agree with those facts, but what she was trying to do was communicate an emotional truth, mm-hmm. right? Something was true in what she was saying. But it was the facts were like secondary. The logical threads were secondary to the emotional truth. Yeah. And and so what sometimes you run the risk, it's like if people in different frames, it's like it's like I'm high red, logical control, structured, you know, degree in computer science, logic, linear, that yeah. kind of thing. And then I and then I'm married to somebody who's emotional and kind of all over the place. And so what I kind of learn sometimes is sometimes we're having an emotional conversation that's that's disguised as a factual conversation. Yeah. Right. Somebody's trying to communicate an emotional truth and the logic. And it's not that people aren't logical. It's not that they're not smart. No, but yeah. blue needs to learn how to communicate with red and red needs to learn how I mean, to hear I mean, blue. I mean, I, it, how person. to hear blue. Yeah, that's a great yeah. way of saying it and communicate sometimes. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah so so again, it's this it's this balancing and 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 I just keep wanting to beat this thing this this message home it's like the agile community I think because of the message of collaboration and teamwork and personal safety has really attracted a personality type that gravitates towards this blue message yeah and and it, I think it would be incredibly dangerous for companies to say well agile didn't work for me so therefore um, I'm going to go back to waterfall or I'm going to go back to heavy command and control treating right. people. Which like they're kind of doing that right now. A, a lot, some companies are right for sure. Right. So, so what, what, what we've got to figure out how to do as an industry is, is bring back like, what does it take to create the performance characteristics? And then, and then what's hard about it. And it's the fight that we fight all the time. It's like, how do you get the organizational will to create the kinds of changes yeah. so that you can, you can have the performance characteristics you want? But the whole, again, holy grail of holy grails is like if I can get the operating model, um, team-based, small batch, all the different things, and create these containers where the connection and the fun and the intimacy can happen – like that's when we really win, right? Because now we're creating these inclusive environments where people are empowered and have say and you know have purpose and connection to, to vision and all these things and get to express their full selves at work right? Um, without feeling like a cog in the machine. But okay. yet we have a mechanism system delivery in place that actually um, is reasonably assured of producing results or figuring out really fast that we're not gonna. Okay. Right? And so I think that's the message that I'm trying to get across. And, and what's cool about it, if you think about it from a story arc perspective, I started thinking about this earlier this year. Did a talk in Raleigh, went pretty well. Did a talk in Detroit, went pretty well. Then all this red-blue stuff really clicked. 
Right. And went up to Indianapolis, did it. We're going to get another run at it in, 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 in Canada. And um, it's been pretty well received. And I think it's Good. a cool, I think it's a cool story. Yeah, yeah. It's a really fascinating topic. I mean, the color code thing is neat. really awesome. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to include links to that. I'm going to include okay. a link to the indie talk. Okay. Um, and we'll just keep following up on this. It'd be cool to, to check in about it in a couple months or so after you've. Yeah, let's do it. And then maybe what we can do is we can update. Um, we'll publish the Canada talk too. Stefan, our video guy is coming up and he's going to film me. Cool. And so we'll have the next rev up and then, you know, maybe we can have a conversation yeah, later. Yeah, keep going on that. Cool. Yeah. Um, cool, man. All right. Wait, I got my one last sleep, question. Man. I got like an hour and a half. I'm going to be in bed. It's um, early night time. Quick question. Okay. <laughs> so the one book, movie, or piece of music oh. that inspires the spark of creativity in you when it's gone out. Man, I don't know. Um, you know what really inspires me? Like like engagement with people inspires okay. me. Okay, so you need to you go know? connect with humans. All right. Yeah, well, so like, I, I, if I'm really honest, it's like I need to argue with people. Like I'm very much – it's a red trait, I think. I'm like an out loud thinker. Yeah. And I need to test ideas against people. And, you know, sometimes and this is going to sound unhealthy as, as it could possibly sound, but sometimes I need to get agitated and fight with people a little bit. And like, I don't some think of it's unhealthy. Best, That's like playing music. Well, some of my best work, right? Some of the, some of the coolest things that have ever that I've ever been responsible for putting out here was really in like direct argument with Dennis Stevens. Like he would come because Dennis is so smart and he would come back and he'd say something. Like, and he's not oh, lacking in opinions. Well, yeah. And I would be like, oh, like, that's just not right. And but like, I would wrestle with it because you can't dismiss Dennis because he's yeah. so smart and he's not usually wrong. Um, Dennis sometimes will have a hard time really simplifying things. Yeah. And so like I'd be like, I'd be like, there's, gosh, there's something there and we'll wrestle and fight. And I tend to start with the outside frame and find detail. Dennis will start with detail and search for the frame. And I'm, sometimes I'll be in between. But yeah, um, engagement, conflict. So like I love I love getting out in front of clients. I love doing sales. I love being in conferences. I love speaking. I love doing okay. this stuff with you. Um, you'll notice that uh, a lot of our video content coming up um, is I'm getting kind of tired of being a talking head. And so um, we're pulling a bunch of people in from Leading Agile, trying to do interview formats and trying to pull out common threads and, and make it interesting in a way that um, we haven't done. Yeah. So we're going to be running some experiments here. Cool. Some things we're getting involved in. So, yeah. Thank you, man. I You're hope welcome. you have a good night's sleep. I appreciate you staying I up will, for man. this. I'm going, I'd get bed right now if it wasn't for this. So, when you get man. up tomorrow morning, just remember, I'm just going to sleep. Dude, I'm going to go to bed at 7.30. <laughs> I'll be up at 3.30 tomorrow morning and uh, be another day and, you know. Early to bed, early to rise, something like that. Okay. Thank you very much, sir. See you later. See you, man. Bye.